This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Speaking of the union, Jay, I have been slacking because we had two new union members join recently and I didn't mention it at the immediate time that they joined. I need to welcome Jeff Loney and Paul Dudley. I think Jeff was with us before and then rejoined. I'm not sure, but I, that sounds correct in my mind. And welcome Paul as well. They've joined us in the last like month or so. And uh, I just, I had so many emails that they went to the bottom of my email list. And then I just cleared out all my emails before uh, winter break. So welcome, Paul and Jeff. Hope you found the Discord and are uh, enjoying that and all the other polls and whatnot. And uh, since this J is our final episode of the year, we're going to talk about the year. And we're going to do so with our friend Chip Midnight's back. Hey, Chip. Hello. Good evening. Chip, you've Ooh. become an integral part of this whole apparatus we call Dig Me Out, uh, providing interviews with uh, a variety of folks and uh, being part of our, our Discord community. Um, what's, I, I wanted to talk about the interviews at some point, but um, do you have, I know it's hard, they're all your children, but do you have a favorite interview this year? That's a great question. So first, before I, I reveal what that is, I will say that I came into this year um, all guns ablazing, and I was going to, I planned on doing an interview for Dig Me Out every two weeks or so. I fell a little bit behind. Uh, there are, as you know, obviously, because you've reviewed 630 albums, um, there's a lot of artists out there waiting to be interviewed. Uh, I fell off a little bit, but I think I got about 10 in this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of them were with bands and artists that I know uh, that I've interviewed in the past. Some are with artists that I have been a fan of for many years. I think, though, the one that really sticks out to me um, was with Adam Elk from The Mommy Heads. And the reason it sticks out is because I was vaguely familiar with The Mommy Heads back in the 90s. I think I owned the Geffen CD probably at some point when... I got an email early, was it early this year? I think it was early this year that they were releasing some, re-releasing some stuff from the 90s. Uh, so I thought that would be a great way to introduce myself to the band and also then to knock out an interview. Uh, Adam was a phenomenal person to talk to, one of those guys that like we hit it off very quickly and so much so that they put a new record out later this year and I did a feature on them, a second interview with Adam for Big Takeover magazine that is on newsstands probably right now, if not now, very, very soon. But that one really sticks out uh, just because we've developed this, you know, this, this back and forth email friendship. And uh, he sent me, I don't have it right handy. He sent me a package that had uh, every mommy head CD. He's been reissuing them. They're just coming in like the the, the cardboard sleeves and not like a mm -hmm. full. Mm -hmm. um, so he sent me like I don't know twelve mommy head CDs and a mommy head's coffee mug and um, 
it still would have been memorable had he not sent me that stuff, but just, uh, just a really great guy. Awesome. So, so for the artists that you, um, I know you've talked to several folks that, um, it wasn't the first time you interviewed them. Like yeah. you had mentioned that you had talked to him or had conversations or had done a full interview at some point in the nineties or in the past, and then we're reconnecting. Um, yeah. how are those conversations different to you? Like, like the feel, the tone, the topics, yeah, you know, no, it's with interesting. the time. Yeah. Cause the three that I can think of off the top of my head that I have interviewed in the past that I also interviewed for dig me out were art from Everclear. Heather Doobie and uh, Jeremy Toback. Mm-hmm. Um, Art was a it was a phone interview. It was in between World of Noise and Sparkle and Fade when I interviewed him. At the time, I was I was essentially like a newspaper reporter trying to get information about the tour, and so you know I don't expect him to remember me by any means. So that one felt kind of fresh. I was able to kind of drop into the interview that like, hey, I've interviewed you before and I've talked to you, mm-hmm. but I don't expect him to remember that. Um, Heather Doobie sort of dropped out of sight for many years. So it was, I do remember having a conversation with her in the nineties, uh, probably 99. And, um, she was just sort of getting started with her sub pop career, which didn't last all that long. But, um, you know, I think, I think that interview was, was in 1999 was memorable. So it was cool just to be able to find out what this person's been doing the last 20, 20 plus years. Um, and then Jeremy, I mean, you know, that was a two hour interview and we could have talked for four hours. He was somebody that, and I explained it in the interview that I had emailed out of the blue, just cause I found his email address, his AOL email address. Um, so that, 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 I don't, I don't want to say it was like catching up with an old friend, but it was sort of like catching up with a high school or a college, maybe a college roommate from the nineties that you haven't talked to in forever. So it felt like catching up with him. I felt like I've been following his career. I don't know that he's been following my career at all, but, uh, but it did, it, it was cool to catch up. Um, and, and I think, you know, uh, Jeremy, especially looked back on the nineties and, and was able to look at it with kind of a, a, a newer perspective and see some of the things that he did, right. Some of the things he did wrong and some of the things that he would have done differently and some of the label problems that he had and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, I thought it was, it was really interesting to have that perspective many years later that when I interviewed him in 1997, you know, he had just signed to a label. Uh, he was touring and going to be on the Lollapalooza side stage. So he wasn't able to see into the future and how that, all that would play out. Right. Do you prefer to, uh, or you find it more challenging to interview bands that have like a long history versus, I know you also interview a lot of new bands that are just up and start. Up so and uh, I will admit like some of these bands that I've been interviewing this year are bands that um, and you know, I, I, you guys have probably talked about it on the podcast before that I was a, a fan of in the nineties that, that I dropped out and stopped yeah. paying attention to them. And, you know, I talked to, um, the guys from Zebrahead who, you know, I knew some of their singles and I knew one album that I had or one CD that I had in the nineties had no idea that they were still around. And they're like, Oh yeah, we've been touring. We play Japan. We're big in Europe. And, uh, so, so it is, I, I always feel a little bit guilty that I haven't followed them. So when I'm interviewing them, I'm like, so let's talk about the 2000s. I'm like, yeah, we've been touring nonstop. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> so I do feel a little bit uh, like I haven't done all my homework or I haven't kept up with some of those bands. So it is, it is a little bit more 
more of a challenge, but I think yeah. all, all everybody I talked to this year, I think was happy that people still care. Awesome. That's why we're here. Yeah. Yep. Jay, did you have a, a particular interview that stuck out? One you enjoyed the most? Well, obviously the Jeremy Toback interview for me was huge. Mm-hmm. That was a little surreal because I didn't think um, I'm a huge Brad fan. Uh, just that that era of Brad and Satchel and even his solo album was just so um, burned into my memory. Um, it just takes me back every time I hear those songs. And so I think both just um, getting to the depth that you got with him. I just never thought I would hear an interview with somebody from um, that band that was able to really fill in a lot of the questions I had. Cause there's, there's a little mystique about that band, you know, that the way that at least around the, the origin of it and sort of why it wasn't bigger. And I don't think Stone Gossard talks about it a ton, even though they've you know been active on and off um through the years so it was really cool to kind of get that behind this curtain look about how that band came together how how in the world he ended up with the those guys um sort of the business side of things i'm always love hearing that um yeah just makes it super real certainly not a perspective they would have talked about at the time you know but 30 years later um it's fair game and i thought the Milyanko Matahavich. How do you say his name? Steelheart interview yeah, was yeah. actually really cool too. I didn't expect to learn as much as I did. Um, but just getting his backstory, how long they struggled um, to make it, how that eventually happened. And then that crazy incident with him falling off the lighting truss or the lighting truss falling on him. I had totally forgotten about. So that just, um, well, again, was like a puzzle piece of like, whatever happened to that band? And why, you know, why does it just, why do bands like that just disappear? It really mm-hmm. helped bring that all together and um, complete the story. So and I really thought both sh- of those sh- were awesome. It really shows that, 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 that breadth of 90s from the beginning to the end, you know, we're talking like early 90s was, I, I've read recently where, where like Sebastian Bach and Eddie Trunk, maybe like people really hate the term, or Ricky Rockman really hate the term hair metal so i'm not going to yeah. call it hair metal but the end you know the end of the glam metal the pop metal whatever you want to call that yep. early 90s stuff you know and then talking to like zebrahead and jeremy and such a different like totally different world those guys were all yep. in oh the other one i forgot to mention was the, the chad fisher interview which um you know he was a lot more behind the scenes and i realized with a lot of projects uh being colin hayes drummer and working with colin hay and he worked with Jeremy Toback and he had a lot of connections that I had only seen his name on the back of a CD and had no idea that he had as many connections and was involved with so much stuff as he was. That one was a cool one too. I agree. That one, um, the Toback interview, obviously like Jason, that was huge because of just the love of that, of Brad and, and those albums and, and his solo record. And um, you mentioned the, Adam from the mommy heads. I mean, that was a band that I did not know of other than their name. I'd like heard the name, but I had no idea what they sounded like. And so being completely introduced to a new band and getting to hear his story was really cool. Um, 
And I also liked because of where it fell on the timeline, the art interview was interesting as well, because um, with it being the 30th anniversary of World of Noise, that was a record that I remember being like, this is weird, but I like it when it came out and hearing Fire Maple song the first time and being like, oh, this is this is weird. <laughs> this is not like what I'm hearing of all the other bands do, like with <laughs> big drop D songs and stuff like that back then. So. A little, a little shout out to Phil on the Discord group who posted a picture today that said I would appreciate the CD selection that he had. He had, he was holding up, um, or he had a picture of Brad, the Shame CD, and the first Babylon AD CD. And I just want to let Phil know that as soon as I saw the picture, I fired off an email to Derek Davis, the lead singer of Babylon AD. So fingers crossed, we'll get a Babylon AD interview. Bango in the bells. Bango the bells. <laughs> Robo, I heard it Robocop here soundtrack. So we'll oh, see what happens. Man. I don't know. We'll cool. see if he responds to me. Oh boy. That's awesome. Well, yes. Um, we also did, as we do every year, we had some round tables. Not as many as uh, as previous years. We were um there were a couple months where we just had so many reviews to do and the polls and, and whatnot that we weren't able to do a round table every month, but we did do a number of them. And they were all fun. Um, Jay, I don't know if you have a favorite. Uh, maybe you want to pick one or two, but I just want to mention, I really liked the Madchester one um, because I didn't really understand that it was more than just a scene. It was a whole genre. It's like multiple things. In the same way that like Desert Rock is like, it's a scene, it's a genre of music, it's like a lifestyle, it's a, it's a look, it's a attitude like it's a whole thing um so it was interesting to learn about that and the bands um love talking about dinosaur jr that was a lot of fun um and then the garage rock eric peterson bringing the knowledge on that was a lot of fun and i've definitely yeah. been like checking out more of the garage rock that i was not familiar i was familiar with some but very small amount um so that was the one that I liked. What what were your uh, picks that you enjoyed this year? Garage Rock and then um, Revival or in the 90s uh, was was a lot of fun. Eric is was incredible. He's like an encyclopedia for that uh, genre and all the subgenres below it. Uh, and it was a chance for me to nerd out on some of the action rock stuff that's, you know, related um, to the Garage Rock stuff. So I got to feel a little bit like an expert, but also you know, just fanboy out and get to talk with Eric on some bands that he and I both like a lot. Um, I also enjoyed the cure in the nineties and dinosaur junior in the eighties episodes, because mm -hmm. it gave me a chance to just go back and spend time with both of those bands catalogs for decades that, I, you know, I hadn't listened to a ton of the cure in the nineties. Um, Right. Same. And even though I'm a huge dinosaur junior fan, I honestly don't hadn't listened to a lot of their eighties output i was more focused on um 90s forward so it's just a good excuse to go in and just add those records to my library and, and spend some time with them and i ended up liking um and kind of getting both of those decades for those bands that aren't always associated with maybe their um you know their better known years so those were just a good sort of self uh piece for me to uh, kind of indulge both those bands and 
get more familiar with their full catalogs. Okay. Chip, did you get a chance to uh, check out all the roundtables or some of them? Yeah. Yeah, I would say um, The Cure and Manchester both are sort of that, like that, anybody that's followed along with me and the bands I've been interviewing have been pretty much straight up late 80s, early 90s, glam metal. And and then sort of in the whatever MTV was playing into the grunge stuff. And, and so, uh, like, The Cure was a band that, that the goths, goth kids in my high school liked that I would never own up to listening to because I didn't want to listen to them. Um, <laughs> so it was cool to hear sort of, you know, but by the time 2000 rolled around or probably late 90s, like to this day, uh, maybe someday from the Blood Flowers album is my favorite Cure song. Really? Um, yeah, it's it. it uh, I, I may have posted it in Discord. I, I, I think I did. Maybe not. Uh, that song reminds me of Triple Fast Action's If and the Cranberries' uh, Zombie. They're sort of a similar bass line. And like you could kind of play all three, and they all have a sort of a similar, if nothing more than just a similar bass part, maybe. Um, and maybe that's what attracted me to it, because I was a huge Triple Fast Action fan, and then I listened to The Cure, and I think I've gone on record to say that if The Cure actually do get around to touring in the U.S., that is one that I actually would go see a stadium show if that's what they end up doing. And I'd even drive to within a five or six hour drive because uh, <laughs> I've never seen the cure. And yeah. I feel like that's a band that I actually really would want to see. And so, you know, that was a, a great round table. The Manchester, again, I had a, a girlfriend in college who was an enemy reader and a, what was the other enemy enemy and melody maker. Yeah. Uh, she'd pick up like the import magazines or newspapers, whatever they were from like, around town i don't even remember where she picked him up but i was like never into that stuff um so coming to it many years later that was cool to hear about some bands that i didn't know about and and you know i mentioned this a lot in interviews i do that um you know i, I know artists have mixed feelings about spotify but the fact that on a, on a round table or on in any episode uh for the most part the bands you talk about, I can instantly pick up and listen to if I've never heard them rather than having to track a CD down or go to a record store or, so it's cool to be able to hear people talking about a scene or a, a genre and then be able to just go and start listening to stuff right away instead of having to track it down. So like I said, the Manchester one was good too. I was able to go back and listen to some happy Mondays that I was familiar with, but like not really, not really a, it wasn't that I wasn't a fan. I just had never listened to much of them. Right. Got it. It was nice that our roundtables sort of co coincided with some of our reviews. Like we we did that Manchester episode just after we reviewed the Black Grape album, which we both gave, I think, better EPs. Um, but then we also did a White Stripes album. We did the first White Stripes album, and that was you know this was also the year of doing the Garage Rock revival. Um, so along with those, I mean, we, you know, we tackle a lot of records during the year, um, some of which we're familiar with. Like we've already, you know, we know Faith Mo more like, you know, getting to talk about Angel Dust was cool, but it was not new to us in terms yeah. of, you know, and there are, there are a number of bands like that. Like we, we Fu Manchu and Dishwala and those sorts of bands. But I would probably, I would guess it's 75% maybe. Either we only knew like one song off the record, like with Four Non Blondes, 
or we didn't know the record at all. Yeah. Um, Jay, do you have some picks of what were your favorite discoveries of, of records that we reviewed? I sure do. I, so I broke it into two groups. Okay. I've got a group where it's like, I never heard of this band in my life. Never heard a note, probably never even heard of them. And then I've got another group where it's, I've heard of the band. Maybe I listened to one of the records, but I never heard the album we reviewed. Um, so in the latter were the new discoveries, uh, you know, first time hearing the band, a couple come to mind. One would be menthol. Um, just a really cool sound, you know, big guitars, smashing pumpkins, almost type big fuzzy uh, tones, but some really unique like rhythmic vocals that I always, I find myself like, um, really enjoying because there's some sort of like, um, spontaneity feeling to it, you know, when, when a singer sings like that. And I think that album just has a couple really standout songs that every time they come on, I just found myself, you know, getting excited and getting into it. Well, stress is best. And Francis Scott key are the two that kind of came to mind that really stand out. So that's definitely one record that was a, a new, new discovery for me that, um, I keep enjoying Doughboys is another one, just super solid from start to finish. Melodic rock, kind of like Posies meets Wild Hearts. Um, a little emo mixed in there, maybe, too. A little failure on a song like Disposable. Um, I think Disposable and Fix Me are two of the two of the tracks that it, that I come back to. It's just being really solid. Um, Antenna is another one. Uh, just really unique mix of like Brit pop mixed with some kind of like psychedelic and power pop elements, just cool, like genre blending that I mean, I think is typical of these bands that don't break. It's usually because <laughs> they've got, mm -hmm. you know, a foot or two in uh, different genres and it just makes it harder to sell. But um, another really cool band with some big guitar sounds. Um, Easy listening is a great track wallpaper. Don't be late. And then shifting over to the stuff that I had heard of the band, I heard the band, just did not hear the album that we listened to and wasn't a super big you know, fan of the band, but was really impressed with the records we reviewed. One would be uh, the Gun album, Swagger. Mm -hmm. um, just really catchy, you know, kind of AOR type rock, but with an edge. Um, thought it really stood up sit up well it's a lot of fun every time it comes on it just um it catches my ear i'm other earth band we had reviewed and we did um scenery and fish the second record and just really an interesting like prog alt kind of feel um really ambitious record and i think it worked really well um the last one i'll mention is suicidal tendencies uh we did Oh, what record was it that we reviewed? Art of Rebellion? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> and that was a band I was familiar with, but didn't really like uh, and didn't expect to like the record. And when we reviewed the record, I was blown away. Um, I think I gave it a worthy album. And still, <clears throat> when it comes on, it's super solid. Um, it's just a really well-produced album with, I really love the vocal approach on it. 
uh, just a, it's a cool moment in time, I think, for that band that is probably, I think, even sounds like overlooked by their fans. So, yeah, I found myself becoming a, a bit of a suicidal tendencies fan, which I didn't expect. <laughs> so those are some that stuck out for me. Cool. Chip, what about you? Any records out this year that you were like, ah, I've never heard of that before. That's pretty cool. Yeah, similar to Jay, there, there's there's albums that I was familiar with that you guys talked about, and there's some bands that like I, I knew their names but hadn't listened to them. Um, Gun, you know, I think I, I was tuning into the live stream when you guys were doing that with Phil, and Phil mentioned that that, uh, that might be up my alley, and it, it he, he was right. I don't know how I missed it. I, well, I do know how I missed it because there wasn't Spotify, right? And um, they weren't getting written up everywhere that I was reading all the metal edge magazines i was seeing ads for them but uh but yeah that that totally was in my wheelhouse for that time period and it was it's cool to go back and be able to find that stuff now uh what else do i have written down um adorable interesting band yeah. because i think it was through the podcast that 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 was one of those bands that that the college girlfriend liked and i think it was through the podcast i i went out trying to find you know, I did the Amazon thing and the Discogs thing. And like those albums are, it, the CDs are hard to find. Mm -hmm. At least they're hard to find at an affordable price. Um, so I did resort to finding them other, other ways. Uh, but it was, it was, it was, it was. You go to the dark web? Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, since Spotify, you know, uh, what is the statute of limitations on this stuff? Um <laughs> I have not down. I have not downloaded albums in a long time because I can't keep up with all the albums. Hypothetically that, speaking, use hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, speaking before everything you say now. Yes, hypothetically <laughs> speaking. Um, yeah, but but it, like I haven't I haven't uh, sought out because everything's available. Everything's available on a streaming service, or you can pick up a, a cheap CD or something. But Adorable was a band that like you couldn't. So I did end up finding those, and they they are they are. They're the two albums that I got were, were are great. Um, and I think it was thanks to that episode that I went and checked them out. Um, Doughboys, kind of a funny story, like Jay, the way you described them, sort of a posies meets wild hearts. Um what's really hard for me to remember. So it's funny, I have the C D case, but I must have never put the C D back in the case. So the C D is probably sitting behind like a white snake C D somewhere. Um, <laughs> it's in the trunk of your uh yeah 1998 and whatever yes so i so i bought it. i mean i bought it used but around the time it came out but i think i probably listened to it once or twice and then threw it somewhere and so i hadn't really thought about it because i keep picking up the, i keep picking up the cover and it's not there uh so that gave me another reason to listen to it and um yeah yeah it, that that was a great album um i was familiar with menthol just because uh of the chicago stuff i knew triple fast action toured with them a lot i don't actually i never actually saw menthol I don't think, mm. um, but I was very familiar just because Wes was roommates with, with one of the guys, I think. Um, I love the Skeleton Key record. I mean, that was one that back in the day, I wish more people had heard. Yeah. Um, I got to see them live a few times and just, uh, just a fascinating band to watch because of Rick Lee, who played literally everything, including the kitchen sink. <laughs> um, I actually just interviewed John Schmersel from Brainiac. And he had a band called Enon. Mm -hmm. I always thought it was Enon, but it's Enon. Uh, and, and Rick Lee oh. from Skeleton Key is in, is in Enon. And he told me that they recently uh, got back, 
met up for the first time in many years. And I don't know if he said that there's new stuff on the way, but, um, but you know, back in the day, I didn't realize that there was that kind I didn't, I don't know if I remember that Rick Lee was in Enon, but, but yeah, Skeleton Key was just such a great band to see live. Um, that's another one that's not on streaming or at least yeah. I can't find it. Yeah. Um, I, I've always been a Matter Rose fan, so I was really glad that you guys talked about Matter Rose. Uh, Sean Gardner, who you guys know from Columbus, mm-hmm. turned me on to Bedhead in the 90s. So it was cool that you talked about that. And Soul Wax is a band that I have, um, I think sort of like part of the reason for this whole podcast to start is you guys get, used to get promo CDs all the time, right, at the radio station. And mm-hmm. I have the Soul Wax CD with the promo sticker on it. It was one of those things that I listened to back in the day that I liked when I listened to it, but it, I, it, it's sitting on a shelf and hasn't been, the case hasn't been cracked in 20 years. So it was cool that you guys talked about that and kind of going back and revisiting that one. And I think that's my short list. Well, I hadn't originally planned to break it into two, but I, I can do so. Um, <laughs> so we had talked about Into Another many yeah. years ago. Yeah. Post-hardcore band from, are they from New York? I'm New Jersey or something like that. I, yeah. I forgot exactly where they're from. Um, and Vadim and, uh, and Steve, I think we're on that episode. Yeah. Um, and it took me a while to crack that record. But once I did, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And this is really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, and Vadima ended up sending me a copy of the record. Um, I have to send him a record in return as a thank you. I'm trying to figure out what Columbus band I want to I want to send to him. Uh, Chip, maybe you can help me figure out. Like, I have to pick one band to represent Columbus <laughs> and send it to to Vadim. Like, do I do I pull out a Thomas Jefferson Slave Apartments record? Do I go to do I go find an RC Mob album? Do I uh, you know what's it going to be? I, I would I would send Pretty Mighty Mighty, but they don't have any vinyl. That, that would work. I mean, they have like uh, seven inches and stuff, but the, none of the albums came out on on vinyl, as far as I'm aware. Are you trying to find something to represent? Or are you trying to find something that he might like? I think well, something that he might like would be good. Uh, you know, I want to I want to make it. I don't know connections. That band is uh, a good indie rock band. They put out like five albums in like five years. Yeah. Evil Queens a, would be great. Who? Evil Queens. Oh, yes. Yeah. But did they do anything? On, I wanted to, I have a big vinyl box yeah. to ship it in. I guess I could just oh, stick no. like four CDs and they would take up the space of a vinyl record. Yes. Uh, but uh, I really enjoyed that record. Um, and then along the lines of stuff that we have some familiarity with, um, obviously Swerve Driver, that was cool to listen to that record again. Um, the Vast record that we talked about, that was one where I like kind of remembered it, but I wasn't sure what it was exactly and i enjoyed listening to that and then i actually ended up buying their second album music for people um it came up randomly on a record website uh like a a store for was they were doing a discount sale on some records and it was 10 bucks so i was like oh i'm gonna grab that i don't even i've never even listened to it i'm gonna grab it because i like that first record um as far as the new discoveries i'm with you guys on the on the doughboys um, I liked that the the Death Ray album, which was just like 30 minutes of like just really sugary indie yep. pop. Um as well as the adorable record that you mentioned. Um, the bike record, Taking the yep. Sun, is just this like 
warm psychedelia, you know, shoegazy indie rock stuff from one of the guys from uh, was it Low Straight Jackets? Is that the name of the band that uh, he had previously been in? Um, that was a really cool record. And um, Straight Jacket Fits. Straight Jacket Fits. Not Low Straight Jackets. That's a different that's something a about Straight Jackets. It's, I knew there was Straight Jackets in there somewhere. Um, yeah. And, uh, there was, it's weird because there are some albums that we were like, we were on EP, right? Yeah. But I really liked that EP, like Little John, like the, the songs for the EP yeah. are great songs, mm-hmm. but I just didn't, you know, it just wasn't the whole record. Um, and that happened, happened a couple of times. There was only one stinker this year. We don't need to return to that uh, <laughs> discussion. But, uh, and I also enjoyed just from the fact that I ignored it completely, the Chris Cornell album. Um, did not know nothing beyond the first didn't know anything beyond the first single and then getting to hear that now and reassess you know it still has some issues but just getting to hear chris cornell sing is just like such a treat yeah for sure so and i'm with you on that like the gun record um this was a good year i think for us in terms of like some straight up rock and roll with that and the headstones album um it was nice to hear some just like some straight up acdc influenced hard rock that felt um you know it didn't have an alternative tag to (laughs) anywhere in it Um, right right it's good good to have the contrast yes so we're heading into 2023 now um this is the end of our 12th year 12 years we've been at this jay i mean it's uh, a long time just realizing uh we started this must the year that uh my daughter was born yes that's true i, I just realized her that. birth because we were doing the first episode <laughs> right <laughs> i was talking about a wool record <laughs> honey i'm not gonna be there we gotta cover this wool record super very important, important. <laughs> uh yeah but uh you need to thank all of our patrons for sure because not only do they provide us with um this the monetary ability to do this but they also provide us with the uh with the emotional uh lift that we need by being awesome in our in our discord and talking about music all day um from all over the world it's quite fun that we get to talk to people from all over the world from us in australia and the uk and all parts of the united states and canada uh about music that and not just old stuff but new stuff too um that was what was fun i know you unfortunately missed it but when we did the the what we were thankful for it was as much fun to hear about some of the newer stuff that maybe was influenced by 90s music or alternative or grunge or what have you and hear that in comparison um to some of the you know the the newer stuff from 80s and 90s bands that came out this year um which there was a lot it was i mean the the box newsletter was busy this year yeah there were some weeks where 
it was like six or seven new releases in a week. And it was multiple weeks of that. I think there was a backup from the pandemic and mm-hmm. bands not being able to tour. So there was a lot of records sort of just waiting, queued up to, to go. So yeah, it was a big year for albums. Um, since we didn't get to ask you on that episode, did you have any favorite new albums that you discovered this year, whether they were uh, Dig Me Out related or not? Was there anything that you have, you know, listened to a lot this year or uh, you've purchased that you've enjoyed? Oh my God. There's a ton of stuff. Put you on the spot. Uh, we talking 90s related? Any, I mean, yes and no. I mean, we didn't yeah. stick completely to the 90s. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, the, the, the latest ghost record I wore out to death. Um, I just love that band. They're so much fun. Um, 90s related. I, I, I really like the new Cult album. And I know they've mm-hmm. been, you know, putting out records every three, five years ish and, and trying to stay active. They've been touring a ton um over the years the records before this they're okay this felt like the first time maybe since beyond good and evil where like they made a cohesive album that has like an atmosphere and a sound and Mm -hmm. it brings back some of the 80s vibes like you hear some of that reverb from uh, uh the electric or sorry the um love and sonic temple era doesn't have the big you know arena rock hooks that sonic temple has but there's some keyboards on it you know it's it's got a little vibe from that that lady late 80s uh time for them but then it also sounds new uh and 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 modern so it's not the hookiest album they've ever made but uh, the sound of it is great and just i respect the hell out of them for continuing to put out new music and like making a record that sounds cohesive one that i've been enjoying and i never thought i would like but based on your review for the box your one minute review i checked it out was the uh dropkick murphy's album with um all it's uh this machine still kills fascists all the woody guthrie yeah songs it's really good it's like really well done it's a lot of uh it's kind of amazing when you listen to those songs that you know i wish they were written now (laughs) but uh they're just uh a lot of fun sing-along hooky amazing lyrics uh and they do a great job pulling that stuff off and not making it sound hokey or like old-timey it sounds like modern and uh, full of energy so those are two that i've been um 90s related that i've been enjoying recently i know oh, the helicopters also, i was gonna say the helicopters and suede are two other ones that you've yeah the suede well. the suede album is amazing i didn't expect honestly i had low expectations for them putting on a new record um it is so good and red anderson's vocals are maybe better than they've ever been and the helicopters is just great to see that band back and playing and I think mm-hmm. the new record is is really solid. I don't I don't know that I would put it in their you know top top three or five for me, but it's it fits in the catalog and it's a worthy it's a worthy album for sure. So, um, one that you liked, Chip, the Stabbing Westward record. I had actually not listened to it until recently, and that's really good. I mean, I was I was shocked uh, because 
they were never really a band that I was hugely into, into but um, I really enjoyed listening to that. Uh, not so much the new Smashing Pumpkins record, which was abysmal. Um, I don't know what is going on with that band. Um, they've kind of morphed. It's it's almost like uh, Billy Corgan is now like the evil twin of, of Rivers Cuomo. Like they just keep <laughs> making worse and worse <laughs> records. I, I feel like Rivers Cuomo does it out of just, he's tr- just wants to st- be a pop relevant pop star or something <laughs> i just don't seeing like uh rivers cuomo's luke skywalker and uh smashing pumpkins is like the evil empire it is wearing oh, those black skirts and triple album he's making three records and it's so it's so disappointing it's like jimmy chamberlain doesn't exist anymore like, I don't know why he's in the band, because you could just have a drum machine playing everything for the most part. Anyway, I don't want to derail this uh, end of the year episode. Um, but like I said, we got we, of course, thank all of our, our patrons. If you want to become a patron, digmeoutunion.com, dmounion.com. Um, and all these records uh, come from either our union members or they come from our website when people suggest them by just going to digmeoutpodcast.com and putting an album in our suggest an album uh, form. And then that, uh, that gets voted on at our website. So, or at Patreon. So if you want to do that, if you want to be a part of the voting, join Patreon, or you can be a part of the, the, the suggestion process. Because I would guess, uh, like looking back at what we enjoyed, you know, there was stuff that people was stuff that adorable won a poll that's how we ended up listening to yeah. it it wasn't a suggestion by one of our listeners I, the doughboys also wasn't that a, that was a poll winner yes. um so it's always interesting where these things are going to come from especially when these polls are all over the place you don't know who's going to win we're often wrong when we predict who's going to win we're we're not steve Kornacki. we are uh <laughs> we're on the opposite end of that so just yeah, a couple any, knuckleheads. Any any other final thoughts? Final thoughts on 2022. Are you happy it's over? Ready to move on to 2023? Sure, why not? <laughs> uh no, I'm just it's amazing that people still um listen to the listen to us yammer on. Um mm-hmm. and every year we're trying to do whatever we can to make not just to show better, but try to, you know, have a community here where people that want to talk about music have a place to go. I, if you don't want to go on some Facebook group or you don't even know where to look, uh, you know, we're trying to build a community where you can, everybody can share an opinion and, you know, they're all valid and nobody's right or wrong. Cause it's music. I mean, there's no right. Music's all subjective. There is no good. I don't believe that the, there's any good or bad music. It's, you either enjoy it or you don't. And we have a community that uh, I can't believe totally just, we found people that just get that, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just super thankful to have that and I look forward to doing more stuff with it as we go into next year. Yes. Chip, any last words? You ready for 2023 for some interviews? Absolutely. I, uh, you know, I think, I think Jay mentioned it, th- this whole backlog of stuff. Um, 
I thought 2022 was an amazing year of music. There are albums that in January and February I said are going to be on the top five albums I listened to this year that I didn't listen to after March and that I totally forgot about. And so I, I think that we still have this backlog of stuff that people have been working on the last couple of years that, uh, you know, I, I envision the next couple of years to be equally as fruitful when it comes to releases. I'll put in a real quick plug. One album that I've heard that is 90s related that is coming out in January or Feb- February is the new church record that I've oh. privy to a preview of. Um, uh, like a lot of the bands that you mentioned, like a lot of the bands that I've mentioned, a band that my college roommates listen to a lot to the point that like, annoyingly so, uh, at the time that I was trying to listen to Soundgarden, they were listening to the church and I just didn't <laughs> right. get it. But the new album the new album sounds great. And so I'm, I'm interested in diving deeper into it and not for dig me out because we're probably not going to talk nineties, but I think I am going to be talking to somebody from the band at some point. Cool. But there's also, I got one more thing. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Going back to the whole idea of community. I mean, it is, it's awesome to be able to hop online and, you know, as some of these other sites, some of these other social media sites, maybe are ones that I'm trying to spend less time on and get away from. I keep looking for like what is going to be my replacement for maybe uh, the bird site. Um, <laughs> and I realize that, you know, anybody that knows me knows that I just like to talk about music. And so I don't really need all these things throwing out into the wide world when I have a group of people who we can all talk about music together. Uh, even to the point, I know you guys, I, have you guys met anybody that you didn't know in person before? What like, do you mean? Well, like, so I, I mean, I knew Patrick Testa from college, uh, right. but through a roommate, a friend of a roommate, kind of a, you know, three connections later, but it's been awesome to reconnect with them both on the discord group, but I, you know, hung out with them at the Royal Crescent Mob show. So it's oh, just cool. kind of cool to be able yeah. to kind of take some of these online relationships and, and, and explore them in real life. I know that in the discord group, a couple of people met up in New York. And so it, it it's yeah. a, it's a, it's an online community, but it turns into like real life relationships, which is awesome. Right. Um, well, yeah, I, I, when Steve's band was touring uh, Hollow Earth, I went to see him at the Big Room Bar. Yeah. Uh, and I was out of my element because yes. all those bands were very, very loud and heavy. And while I like some heavy bands, uh, they were to the heavier end of the heavy end of heavy, <laughs> to put it that way. But Hollow Earth was amazing. Uh, he, Steve was great. Um, and I, he's not part of our Discord community, but Eric Grubbs, who's, who was on the show a bunch of times uh, down in Dallas, I, we met up and went record shopping one time when I was down there on business. Oh, wow. uh, I, had like, I had like two hours to kill, so we hooked up uh, at one of the nearby record stores and just walked around and chatted and that kind of stuff. And so We, we have bantered about yeah. maybe doing a, uh, an annual Dig Me Out Summit. A summit. The uh, the catch is Cal Bittner has to cook, but uh, <laughs> oh yeah, like a convention of sorts maybe maybe we get we get some bands or something I don't know <laughs> who's planning that it sounds like work <laughs> I know oh uh, I you mentioned about next year I was looking at the release calendar like already there's you've got Yola Tango's got a new album coming out of course there's got it by Voices they already have a new album they had three albums this year there's another one already scheduled for January. Uh, new albums from Quasi, Quasi, who haven't done a record in like 10 years. Um, Orbital's got a new record coming out. Alan Apley from Shiner and The Life and Times. He's got a solo album coming out, which I've actually already I pre-ordered got, that. 
again, I got, I have an interview for somebody other than dig me out, but I talked to Alan a week ago, two weeks ago that that interview will be dropping early January on BigTakeover.com. Excellent. So yeah, 2023 is going to be just as busy with, uh, with new stuff in the early months and then throughout the year. And then we're going to obviously be busy because we already have our first review scheduled for, for 2023 and we'll be getting to more of those from our patrons and the polls will be going. I think we got one going right now that we'll be doing in January. And then of course our first round table, you know, we did albums of 1992 last year. Cause it was 2002. This year will be 1993. It'll be 30 years since 1993. 30. <laughs> when are we going to loop back around and have, have already done the albums of episodes it's, we're close like okay. it's either 94 or 95 okay i mean that does make me like that seems like a long time ago but 93 is the year i graduated college yikes <laughs> 30 years Ooh. Ooh. yeah it doesn't feel like i I'm maturity wise i have not matured much farther <laughs> than 1993 but right. uh but my hairline and my coloring is definitely grayer and thinner <laughs> all right uh last things before we wrap up this year um we have a newsletter we've mentioned it you can go to digmeoutpodcast.com to sign up it's the box newsletter and uh reviews of new releases plus uh our release calendar we can catch up on all the things that are coming out and then lastly apple podcasts for your uh positive feedback on this show chip thank you for for coming on with us look forward to more interviews um yeah let's let's get the champagne out and and rock in rock out the new year uh at a reasonable time (laughs) i'm old and i don't want to stay up till midnight there should be like a for older people like us uh there should be like a special like 10 o'clock ball drop like you can go to bed now. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> but here's a ball drop for you just for fun. So you can, so you can have a, your toast and then put on your sleep mask and put in your, your mouth guard and turn on your, your noise machine and, <laughs> and the, all the other things you need to do to fall asleep. <sighs> you, ready? you ready to do another year, Jay? Let's do it. All right. For Jay, Turn I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next year with another episode of Dig Me Out.